Crime Scene and Cupcakes is an independent podcast created in the Anchor app, funded mainly through advertising. The podcast often has coarse language and disturbing content. Please listen wisely. Hey guys, it's Marianne, dog mom, baker, true crime podcast maker, and I'm going to be airing a few extra episodes this week because you might have noticed there have been so many changes when it comes to cold cases. You might have seen it on social media. You might have seen it in the news. We have the Kristen Smart case that is going on right now in the courtroom. And we just had a recent break in a case here in Kansas with the KBI and in Great Bend. And I've also had the opportunity to expand my research capabilities thanks to a website called Uncovered.com. It has put me in contact with so many people, so I have been able to have so many more opportunities when it comes to my research. There have been genetic researchers. There have been, oh my gosh, there is this author who has this book coming out. If you're in the Indiana area, it's incredible. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say anything about it right now, so I won't. But let me tell you right now, I cannot wait to read her book. She was telling us some of the research she was doing, and I am just completely blown away by this woman. So, this has really upped my game on what I have been able to do. So, I want to take those abilities and be able to help more families who have their loved ones who have been victims of crime. As you know, in my situation, of Krista Martin and her family who lost her due to a homicide. And when I was watching the press conference that the KBI had, Corey Latham with the Kansas Bureau of Investigation had, with the Great Bend Police Department and the Barton County Sheriff's Department, and he was talking about this wonderful advances in forensic science and how they're able to utilize this to hopefully be able to find the killer. And not just by doing that, by, again, using familial DNA. And I'm going to talk a little bit further on how you guys could possibly donate your DNA, or some of you may have already done that, through a wonderful site called GEDmatch. And we're going to get into that later. But it also, by listening to this conference, Desiree Worth, who is sister to Mandy Alexander, who was one of the victims of this crime, and we're going to get into the crime here shortly, but Desiree Worth spoke up and she reminded me of the families. Again, I always try to keep that in the front of my mind, but hearing her just literally piss off at this KBI agent. And even as she said, as families, as loved ones of these victims, 
we feel like we're walking a tightrope with investigators. We can't show exactly how angry we are because we don't want them to not talk to us at all. We don't want to cut the ties of communication. But we shouldn't have to feel that way. We should be able to have an open and honest conversation with these investigators. And Desiree Worth reminded me of that. And she was just a she-hulk. She was incredible at this press conference. And we're going to have links to all of these things on our social media, as we generally do. But also, as I was doing my research, I also came across an amazing person who, Michelle McNamara, as you guys know her, as the author of I'll Be Gone in the Dark, who had passed away not that long ago. But I realized she had been doing her own research into this crime. And I was able to find her research as she was doing it. And let me tell you, I don't want to steal Britt's fa favorite quote, but full body chills, y'all. I was freaking out. So we're going to get into this podcast as I've kind of been going on. And I don't like to have a bunch of small talk, but I, this was incredible. And I am so glad you guys can come along with me as I am working on these cold cases. And another thing, the name of my podcast, Crime Scenes and Cupcakes, has always been my crime scene background and the fact that I have a bakery now with cupcakes. And I've always wondered, now that I've gone from just sharing cases to actually investigating cases. Is my name of my podcast too frivolous? I would love to hear from you guys of what you think. I would really hate to give it up because I love cupcakes. I, that is part of who I am. But I was talking to a detective last night who it might be a break on another possible missing persons case. So I was talking to the Lawrence, actually not a detective. I was talking to one of the patrol officers and I had to share the name of my podcast. And the first thing I said is, okay, so it was with the Lawrence Police Department. And I told him, I was like, okay, please don't laugh at me. But my name of my podcast is Crime Scene and Cupcakes. Now, he was very sweet and very kind, and he said, no, it's not funny at all. Everybody loves a good cupcake. And I reminded him, well, they are boozy cupcakes, which makes them better. So, But now that I'm having conversations with detectives, investigators, private investigators, sometimes when I share the name of my podcast, I feel like, you know, I'm kind of a hard-hitting woman. Is it a hard-hitting name? I don't know. If you guys could help me out and all my fellow podcasters out there who have a wonderful share chat, let me know what you think. I would love to hear. And for those of you who may have heard sprinkles squeaking in the background, my dogs want to jump on. But let's jump into this podcast. So let's go back and talk about the crime. So on September 4th of 2002... 24-year-old Alexander, who had worked at the bakery outlet, 
and 79-year-old Mary Drake, when they were killed, it happened inside the business. Now, this business was at one of the busiest intersections in Great Bend. And this occurred sometime between 5 and 6.30. So, this is a very bold move at a very busy time in town. So, when you're doing your victimology, when you're looking at the perpetrator, you have to understand this is at a very busy time in town when this person decided to enter the business and commit this crime. Now, earlier in the evening, another customer had pulled up to the Dolly Madison Cake Discount Bakery in Great Bend, Kansas. And that customer had stated that, you know, Great Bend is not a large town. And this customer says that there is a man who didn't look familiar at all. And he was locking the front door. And he told this customer that the bakery was closed for the day. So that customer is a little quizzical, but okay. So they left and they went on to the rest of their day to run their errands. They had no idea the type of person they just walked away from and the type of horror that was sitting beyond those closed doors. Now, later on at about eight o'clock that night, a Dolly Madison driver, now he was making a visit to the store, but it wasn't a regularly scheduled visit. Again, these are all unplanned events that just happened to occur. So he goes by the store at around eight o'clock that night and he finds Mary Drake and Mandy Alexander laying in pools of blood face down. So he books it out of there to get help. It's later found out that the cause of death is that their throats had been slit. The murder weapon has never been found. Now, the person who had seen this man leaving the bakery did give a full description to the officers, but that description has never led to an arrest. But the witness did describe seeing a white man about six foot to six foot one, weighing 175 pounds, and that man was walking away from the business. The person of interest had collar length hair, light brown to blonde, and a slight beard. Now, as I was doing my research, and I wanted to get this out pretty quickly after I'd seen it, I've been having conversations with Desiree Worth, the amazing kick-ass woman I saw in the press conference, because as many of you know, I have lost someone to a homicide. And I spend a lot of time on this podcast feeling like I'm yelling at a wall when I am talking to the Wichita Police Department, begging them for tip lines, begging them. And they do. They have a wonderful website now for cold cases. They have two cold case detectives. 
I wish they were more active on social media. I wish they would do more on the anniversary of these cases. I wish the Wichita Police Department would take more of an active role in its community. I understand they have their hands full with the fentanyl crisis, but those of us who have victims of cold cases we are sick and tired of talking to a wall. And thank God we are slowly finding each other and leaning on each other because that is what's getting us through it. Talking to Desiree, talking to Mary Krupper's family, reaching out, talking to Katrina Marshall, finding these other families and leaning on each other has been probably the greatest thing in order to help us through these times. But as I was doing, because we are an investigative podcast, I don't read just articles and say, okay, that's it. I want answers. And I know to get those answers, I have to get off my ass and go find them. Now, Uncovered has an incredible site where it has a resource on how to get those answers, how to write a petition to change.org, how to do research on websites, how to do these things. Go to uncover.com and look for that because it's going to help guide you through the process. Also, you don't have to have lost a loved one to feel the pain and want to help. So there are so many cold cases on there. There are so many unsolved cases on there that you can sit and look at. And if one speaks to you that you want to become involved in and do research for that might be in your area or it might not, it doesn't have to be in the area you live in. You can go and be and help and do things. So as I was doing the research on this case, I came across a blog and it was like, wow, there is not really a lot out there. And this blog had a really interesting theory. And so I started researching this blog's theory. And of course I wanna know, because it didn't have the author immediately to be seen. And this person's writing style was absolutely amazing and incredible. And as I looked, I saw the name and my blood ran cold because that name was Michelle McNamara. And for those of you who may not know, Michelle McNamara is the one who did all of the effort with the Golden State. So let's get into this part of it. So Michelle McNamara has this theory about the murder. She thought, okay, this is just beyond cool. So I've decided to pick up where Michelle has left off. So 1,306 miles away in Florence, Montana. Now Florence, Montana only has and we're talking about currently, they have a population of 805 people. That's according to a 2020 census. So a few years ago, probably had less. Now, 
in Florence, probably the most amazing thing they have is the Florence Mountain. And they have a lot of wildlife. And that seems to be where people do a lot of the work and that kind of stuff comes from. So compare that to Great Bend. Great Bend has kind of stayed steady throughout the years of around 15,000 people. Main jobs are agriculture and the armed forces. So the other crime Michelle McNamara thought might have some connection to the crime in Great Bend starts in this small town, Florence, Montana. Now she says this town is so small that when she called the local police department about the murders of three women in a Florence hair salon in 2001, it turned out she didn't even need to have the names of the victims. All she had to say was, I'm calling about the murders. And as she was fumbling around trying to find the names of the victims, the receptionist replied, hold on. And the receptionist immediately transferred her directly to the sheriff. Now, again, I got this information from Michelle McNamara's True Crime blog. So I got most of this information from Michelle McNamara's True Crime blog and pieces of it that are still out there on the web. So let's talk about this murder that happened in Montana that she thinks is connected to the murders that happened in Great Bend. The ones that happened in Florence, Montana involved three women and a hair salon. So it was about 11 a.m. on November 6th of 2001 when a customer pulled up to a place called the Hair Gallery in downtown Florence. And they came in for a manicure appointment. When she got there, she noticed a man who was oddly dressed and he was walking away from the salon. Kind of sounds like the guy who was walking away from the bakery. But this man wore an unusual wide-brimmed hat. They had said it was possibly a fedora or a top hat. Now, to me, those hats look very different, but I'm a hat person, so. They also said this person was dressed in a black calf-length duster coat. Now this guy would later become known as the oddly dressed man. And a lot of other people in Florence, they would remember seeing him that day as well. Now this customer, she didn't think much about it at that time. It was the middle of the day and you know, the hair gallery, it's located on US 93, which is the busiest highway that connects Florence to Missoula. So that's about 20 miles to the north. So people are always milling about and coming and going. So the woman enters the back entrance to the salon and she expects to be normally greeted by the owner, which is what usually happens during her appointments. And the owner is Dorothy Harris. And Dorothy Harris is a 62-year-old grandmother who's generally really perky and she's known to be really crafty and makes a lot of different crafts and things that she sells. But instead, she finds Dorothy Harris's body laying in a pool of blood. 
Again, sound familiar? So her body is laying just inside the door. Now, in the bakery murders, their bodies were laying in the hall. So when authorities arrive, they discovered two more bodies. Brenda Patch, 44, a manicurist, and Cynthia Paulus, 71, a customer who just happened to stop by for her weekly appointment. The women's throats had been slit. At that time, Sheriff Perry Johnson, he described it as a horrific, violent scene said there was just a lot of blood and it was terrible. And this is again coming from Michelle McNamara's blog. And she writes it so much more poetic than I am saying. A little bit later, police determined that 30 minutes before the murders, Dorothy Harris had visited a bank about a 20 minute drive away. So she couldn't have been at the salon very long before she had been killed. It had taken just minutes for someone to transform the cozy business all about nails into a scene that investigators would later be quoted as saying it was the single most brutal scene they had witnessed in their careers. Let's talk a little bit about the hair gallery. Now, worst of all, what people thought is there really wasn't a motive. No money was taken. And we're going to go back to the bakery. There was some money taken, but their purses and their other belongings were there. So not very much money was taken. There was no evidence of sexual assault. And as far as we know, in the bakery murders, there was no evidence of sexual assault. The best lead in the hair gallery murders was the oddly dressed man. The best lead in the other murders, the bakery murders, was the semi-bearded guy. In a town where everybody knows each other, he was a stranger. Same as Great Bend. Witnesses provided similar descriptions. A top hat, maybe a fedora, and a black duster coat. And they really thought it was a vaguely unsettling kind of a getup. Like he was dressed that he just transported from a century ago. Now, you know how much I love my puppers. Bloodhounds came on the scene and tracked a man's scent to a nearby pasture, but then they lost him. The oddly dressed man had disappeared almost as mysteriously as he'd arrived. The case just went cold. A follow-up article in the Missoulin touched on the frustration of investigators and mentioned that the murders were unlike anything in the FBI's files on mass murder. But were they? 
As in Florence, motive in Great Bend was elusive. Only a small amount of money, again, was missing. Again, no evidence of sexual assault. Police were baffled by the audacity of the killer. He struck during the evening rush in an open store, busy intersection, and despite a solid composite sketch and hundreds of leads, the man seen locking the front door was never found. Now, fortunately in both cases, a composite sketch of the main suspect has been generated. So I'm gonna have a side-by-side -side comparison for you. And we're gonna have them both on our social media page. Now, Michelle McNamara, as you guys know, she does her legwork and she quizzed both investigators about how they felt about similarities. Now, the sheriff in Montana, absolutely not. There's no way, uh-uh, it's this meth head. I know who it is, we just can't lock him up. That's how he feels. But in Rivoli County, there's a new sheriff, Stephen Holton. And we're waiting to hear back on what he thinks. Now, I don't know what they have. I've been researching to see if they have any DNA there. And I haven't heard anything back and can't find anything. But we know here, we have DNA. And I'm following up and trying to track down. I'm also trying to track down from Great Bend, Detective Terry Millard. So if anybody in the Great Bend area knows how to reach him, I'm trying to track him down because he was open to this theory Michelle McNamara had. And he wouldn't come right out and say anything, but he seemed willing to explore all options. I'd be really curious to see what he says, especially now that we have DNA. Now, in KSN's previous reports about the murders, police said they were having trouble finding a motive. Because, again, very little money was taken from the business. They also considered you know, Alexander was going through a custody battle at the time, but her ex-husband had an alibi. Now, the bakery that was at 1004 Harrison and Great Bend, it shut down shortly after the murders. The Great Bend Police Department and the Kansas Bureau of Investigation followed up on hundreds of leads, but the case still had been unsolved. The KBI listed a $17,000 reward for an arrest and conviction in the case. Still nothing. Then Latham did the press conference where he proudly stated, advances in forensic science have helped find new evidence. He said that over the past year, KBI, special agents, and forensic scientists 
completed an exhaustive review of all the physical evidence they've collected in the case. They reassessed the potential for additional results by using current forensic technologies, especially those that have had significant advancements since the killings. And as a result of them doing that, they were able to discover that a sample collected from the body of one of the victims was from a man. That in itself is pretty significant, Latham had said to KSN. But he also said the DNA profile is YSTR, which can only be used in terms of a direct comparison. What I mean by that is we need to have the name of an individual and then we'll go ask that individual to give us a sample of their DNA and we can compare that. It is not a profile that we can place into a national database like CODIS or something along those lines. So they can't just put it into a database and do a search. Now, he would not say which victim the DNA was found on. He also would not say the type of the sample, as in, you know, was it spit, was it hair, was it semen? He would not state that. He also said it was too small to involve any of the ancestry or genealogy websites. The KBI said its agents and Great Bend police detectives have collected numerous DNA samples for comparison, but have not found any matches yet. They will continue to try to find a match. We've compared individuals, we've eliminated individuals, we're still obviously looking for the right person which is why we're holding this press conference today, Latham said. That we can find that person that's holding on to just a little bit of information, hoping that we can find someone that is willing to share. Why we're doing this podcast, why Latham had that press conference, why the family is so upset, why we're all pushing and working together, is there is somebody out there who has something that piece of information you're holding on to, that little shred can bring justice to these women and possibly to the three women in Florence. This crime was brutal. Their throats were slit. That is not somebody just robbing a store. That is a horrific act of violence, and it has been 20 years. This family has waited long enough. There is a very simple way that you can help this family get justice. He said that even if the person has moved away or died, the KBI can still use the DNA. So even if you know something and that person has already passed away and you think, you know what, it's over, 
it's not for the family. The family still needs the name. They still need to know. I know I still would want to know. I need to know that to finally rest. Now, the one advantage that YSTRs offer is that it's inherited on the male side. So as Latham said, if we're not able to collect from that person, if that individual's son or if that individual's brother or that individual's dad, so any male from that individual's side, if they can get a sample from them, they can make the link. And as they're saying, they've already collected DNA from a lot of individuals. They just have more people on that list that they would like to collect from as they go forward. And they're really hopeful that the public will come forward and give them the right name as well. Rather than blindly just collecting DNA, it's so much more helpful if somebody just tells them. If you know something, say something. Just help. Help this family. Desiree is pissed and she's tired. Help this family out. And, you know, at this point, it can come down to just good old-fashioned police work. As he had said, investigators are going to try to collect samples for more people and take them back to the lab for comparison. If you have information about this crime, call KBI at 1-800-KS-CRIME. In addition, Latham said that you can submit an anonymous tip online at kbi.ks.gov slash sar or by calling Barton County Crime Stoppers at 1-888-305-1300. Remember, there is a $17,000 reward for leading to an arrest. Spit in a cup and you can make a lot of money, people. So let's talk about the family's frustration. So after Latham spoke, Worth began, you know, Desiree just began asking him questions and accusing the KBI of not keeping victims' families informed. As she had said, and as we all feel, we don't want law enforcement to keep us up to date on every little detail. The families know you have to keep some of the stuff on your side, and they know that these cases are 20 years old. You don't have them on the desk all the time. But it's just a sign of respect to let families know you're still there. You're still, you remember that that family is still suffering and waiting. Pick up the damn phone every once in a while. Even to say, we don't have anything. We're hoping forensics will catch up. We're hoping the science will catch up. But there's nothing yet. There are thousands of tips, but they've gotten nowhere. But just remember, there is a family who has lost somebody who wants to, you to just remember they're still there. As Desiree had said, she said she felt like that we're treated like dirt on your shoe by the tone in your voice and your short comments like, you're trying to get us off the phone. 
And after she said that, Latham invited her to sit with him. If you'd like to visit with me about that afterwards, I'd be happy to. But even then, and if you guys will watch the video, it felt like a show. And I totally understand what Desiree felt. And well, Desiree, that's why victims need to fight back. That's why I said go to uncover.com and it, it will help provide the tools of what families can do to give them more power in these cases. So let's go back to what the KBI agent was discussing with the YSTR DNA. An STR is a short tandem repeat. This is a place in your genetic code where letter sequence is repeated. Okay, so to kind of wrap it up here, DNA profiling has revolutionized forensic genetics and is widely accepted in medical legal cases. DNA analysis provides the best avenue for unequivocal exclusion of the innocent suspects. Due to all these impressive applications, DNA tests have become the darling of all the criminal and justice systems all over the world. When you look at this and you have that, there is an option for you. Let's say you know somebody and you think you have a family member who may have been involved and let's say you live in Colorado and you have a male family member who you think may have been involved in the bakery murder or may have been involved in the Montana murder and you don't want to drive to either one of these police departments to submit your DNA. What do you do? And you don't want to tell anybody who you are. What are your options? Well, one of your options is you can look up GED Match. G-E-D Match. It's a primarily free genealogy site that lets users upload their own autosomal DNA test results and find related individuals. It was founded by Curtis Roger in 2010. Now this powerful GEDmatch Genesis tool finds matching segments of DNA in its 1.3 million users, regardless of which company the original data is from. So if, if you go and you get on it, and there are different options, and I'm still learning about it and everything, but that was one of the main reasons I wanted to do it and become a part of it, is law enforcement is using this a lot. They're using it for missing person project. You know, you don't even know. My mom had told me that her father had left one day. It was kind of the go out for cigarettes, go out for a gallon of milk and never come home. So who knows if that's what actually happened? Who knows what ended up happening to him? Utilizing my DNA could help 
you know, find a missing person. My DNA in the system could be used to solve a murder from 20, 30 years ago. Could be used to solve a rape from 20, 30 years ago. You know, you, you don't know. Um, and it reminds me of a conversation I was having when I was learning about it before I decided to do it was somebody had told me that, that before they did it, they were asking their dad, they're like, okay, did you ever kill anybody? Because before I submit my DNA, I mean, you would go to jail because you would get caught. Because that's the thing, you know, you're going to submit your DNA. If somebody's done something really bad, they're going to get caught. So that's the cool thing. But it, it's so much more than that. You can help put a face to possibly a body that you never knew existed. And that's the thing that so many of us may not ever know about our past. Or may never know about anybody. You know, you. I've, I just saw something recently about a soldier who from, God, I can't even remember which of the world wars... And they were finally, through enough DNA typing, were able to give him a name. And he's finally getting a proper burial due to that. So, this is an awesome thing. It's so much, you know, by doing that, you can possibly, without having to, maybe you feel like you don't want to get your hands dirty. You know, this is one way to do it without having to actually do it. Um, but, you know, this is a way to be a part of it. And this is a way to affect change. So, I really encourage everyone to try to do that, to try to be a part of it, as I have done. So, we'll see what kind of um, skeletons are in my closet, so to speak. So... I just think that's something that everybody should be a part of and is a really, really cool opportunity. So look up Jet Match when you have an opportunity. Um, and then I also wanted to tell everybody something else Desiree Worth had told me about. And I've started following him, so I want you guys to give him a follow. Uh, Aaron Mull is a filmmaker, and he started out um, in high school, he did a stunt where he sent a burrito to space using new camera technology. And that stunt landed him on national television. And it kickstarted him a career in video. Well, now Aaron Mall has turned his attention to something so much more serious. He is doing a documentary about the double homicide at the Dolly Madison store and bakery in Great Bend in 2002. Now, Aaron Mall it was a senior um, at Great Bend High School when he did the burrito stunt. So it's really cool that he's returned to his roots. He's leaving, living. Aaron Mall now lives on the East Coast with his family. So it's so cool that. You know, he's returned to his roots and he's doing this. And he did come to Great Bend for the press conference. And he's gotten so much amazing footage and he's done so much. So it's so cool that he's doing this. 
So he's got some great YouTube videos and he's done some great things. So please give him a follow and I will have links to that for him as well. So please check that out. I can't wait to see his documentary. It's going to be so cool. Which leads me into my next conversation. Don't forget, next week, we are going to be behind the scenes at Tall Grass Film Festival. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be loads of fun. We're going to talk to Lloyd Kaufman, hopefully. But we are definitely going to see him. He is um, going to be there. He... He's winning the Ad Astra Award, so it's going to be a lot of fun for that. And we're going to be there with our celebrated Boozy Cupcakes. We're going to have tons of live video. We're going to have tons of podcasts. We're going to have tons of cool stuff. And it's going to be a chance for all of you guys to see what Tallgrass Film Festival is actually about. It is like Sundance in the Midwest. It is absolutely amazing. So it's going to be really cool for you guys to get to see a part of that. So thank you guys so much for listening. And I'm really excited to see what we can do with Michelle McNamara's theory here and take it and do something different. I want to remind people also that I do have a terminal heart condition. I know sometimes I might become a little difficult to hear. And that is at times when I'm talking a little bit too long, I do have a hard time breathing. And so I really thank some of you who kind of hold in there for me at those moments when I do start to become like this. You guys are awesome. You guys are amazing. And thank you so much for being with me. You guys take care and be safe. Find us on our Instagram and Twitter where we'll be sharing pictures and information about this case. And also, in case you hadn't seen on our Twitter and our Instagram, Krista Martin's case is now one of the cases that is on the website Uncovered, where it gives a chance for um, seasoned individuals to be able to research and put their theories out there about Krista Martin's crime. Also, the Wichita Police Department has a website for unsolved cases. They also have two detectives that are now assigned to the unsolved cases. That information is on our Instagram. We are incredibly excited to see that Krista Martin's case is on there. So it's extremely exciting to see and be able to see other unsolved crimes. And we will be sharing those crimes with you and seeing what we can do to raise awareness on those crimes as well. Again, if you have any information on any unsolved crimes that have happened in the Wichita or Sedgwick County area, also you can go to the Sedgwick County website, which we will provide on our Instagram as well go to either one of those. We'll also be providing those links on our podcast as well. So you can go to those, look at the unsolved crimes, and if you have any information, please do not hesitate. Whatever information you have, big or small, can make a difference. Look for us next week and we'll have a new podcast. Thanks a lot. Stay safe.